You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters, bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Press Zone right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. We are an affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network, should add that as well. And uh, whether you're a first-time listener or you've been with us from the beginning, and that would mark that this is yours and our 250th episode here on the Press Zone. Well, we're happy to have you here. Uh, my uh, name is Amy Johnson. I'm your host uh, for the show, as well as the lead correspondent over the over at the AHL Report. And I'm joined each and every week by my tremendous co-host, who is the founder and president of Rocket Sports, and also our editor-in-chief. He is Rick Stevens. And Rick, can you believe 250 episodes has gone by so quickly? That's a lot of candles on the cake. That's a lot of cake. It would burn the house down, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is there cake? Isn't there? Isn't there? <laughs> We're all looking for a producer here that's supposed to take care of these things. Really? Is yeah. this like the meme of this, the Spider-Mans pointing at each other? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Where's the cake? <laughs> well, 250 episodes is pretty fun. That's great. It's pretty tremendous. How are you this afternoon? Doing all right, thank you. It's Master's Week. It is? It's Master's Week. I wouldn't know. It's Master's no, Week. No, I shouldn't say that. I know it's Master's Week, but mm-hmm. it's not It's not my favorite sport event, sporting event. Well, I mean, favorites. Is Just a, say is Tiger Woods. Just way. say Tiger Woods. Just say it. Come on, Tiger. It's exciting. I mean, the... Is he going to play? Is he actually going to play? Is going well? Not that's he's not it. Play. Is he going to finish? He's going to play. We'll see if he makes the cut. I think he'll make the cut. Um, I'd love to see him pull something spectacular uh, out of the bag, but we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I don't want to put too high of an expectation on things. I'm just thrilled that he's playing. Thrilled that he's healthy enough to play. I'm thrilled that his leg healed enough that he's that he's playing. Uh, it's going to be pretty exciting. Good luck. Then thank good luck to you. <laughs> no, good luck to Tiger. Good luck to Tiger. He's going to need it. Hey, <laughs> watch it. Well, we have a great show for you today. Um, we are going to talk a bit about the Laval Rocket, get you caught up on how their Western road trip went. Also kind of get you caught up on some new faces that are going to be joining the team, uh, as well as some additional 
prospect news that's going on. And then in the second segment, uh, our dear friend Patrick Williams will be joining us for a very fun and very informative AHL hot stove segment. We're going to talk about uh, the AHL trade deadline. We're going to talk about a new rink that's uh, just been uh, christened in the AHL. And we couldn't let the annual mascot madness Mascot madness contest go by without getting uh, Patrick the real madness yeah the real madness uh, without getting Patrick's uh, take on our furry friends in the AHL so it's uh, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a lot of fun you don't want to miss a minute of it Uh, we're gonna start of course with the Laval Rocket they were on a four game road trip last week uh, visiting the Manitoba Moose and for the first time in franchise history all the way out in BC for uh, a couple of games against the Abbotsford Canucks. Uh, last week, Rick, you know, it, as as competitive as the North Division has been, as tight as the standings have been, uh, Laval had a pretty, at least solid standing in second place uh, in the North um, going into last week. However, only capturing three of eight available points while teams like Rochester and Syracuse uh, went on some win streaks last week has made the standings a, a wee bit tight. Quite tight. Yeah. Like, thousands, thousands of a percentage point. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's definitely kind of um, a little bit cringy. Uh, they they uh, lost in a shootout, even though um, you know Primo played pretty decently that night. But they lost in a shootout to the Moose, turned around and won. And so, okay, now now let's. So they got two of uh, three of the four points there. Let's uh, see what happens when they go to Abbotsford. Well, unfortunately. A uh, complete disaster in the in in a late start uh, for us. A 10 p.m. Saturday night start uh, here on the East Coast uh, on Saturday. A tremendous loss there. Defensive breakdowns left and right. Uh, and then, although they played very well um, on Sunday and and probably were the better of the two teams, they still couldn't find the finish and uh, dropped that one as well. So pretty outscored uh, nine to two in, in those two games in Abbotsford. Yeah. Well, and, and, and that's just it. The week prior to that, over the course of two home games, they, they, they scored 10 goals over the course of two games the previous weekend. Um, so it's uh, still a, a pretty a, a great uh, um, momentous event, a historic event that the, the uh, Laval Rocket, our, we're in Abbotsford for the yeah. very first time. Uh, Abbotsford, uh, they had nice crowds. Uh, they seemed to do things right. Mm-hmm. They clinched a playoff berth. They um, did. They had uh, dance for your for your dinner, um, which was kind of fun. Uh, their highest attendant attended game was that Saturday night game yeah. for the season. It was country night. They had like three different country bands playing and. It seemed like a lot nice of fun. atmosphere there. It's nice to have them. Uh, we love we love Utica, but uh, it's nice to have Abbotsford in the league. That's right. Uh, if you'd like uh, complete details on how each of those four games uh, went, uh, who scored, who was in goal, uh, video highlights, you name it, just visit ahlreport.com. We've always got you covered with comprehensive full game recaps. Uh, and you'll find those all right there. Uh, and of course, you know, this week coming up, uh, they may get some reinforcements. There's been a couple of guys who've been either released from PTOs or sent to the ECHL. Uh, there's about five guys who may uh, return to the lineup at some point this week from injury. Uh, guys like Alex Belzeal, Cedric Paquette, uh, perhaps Toby Paquette-Bisson, 
uh, Tori Dello, Cam Hillis. So there could be some reinforce, reinforcements coming uh, down the down the pike here for for Laval as they set up this three game homestand uh, this coming week. So we'll see. Uh, and, but- and I remember um, it was a, a few weeks back. Uh, J.F. Wool had said, and I'm paraphrasing, if I had more choices, there would be some guys sitting in the press box. So. Yeah. Um, he's going to have more choices and that's going to should up the competition. Um, and, and hopefully that's going to bring the best out of his players. It'll be interesting to see who is in the press box, uh, this coming week. Some eyebrows of course got raised. Uh, Josh Brooke has been ever since his return from rehabbing from surgery, uh, from his injury from last season. Um, he's been still bitten a little bit by the injury bug. He's had some setbacks when he's come in to play and so forth. So he played on, on Saturday night, uh, in that five to one loss against Abbotsford and was a healthy scratch on Sunday. Uh, JF will indicating to, to broadcaster Anthony Marcotta apparently after the game, uh, that, that, you know, it's just a matter of, um, you know, with a, with a, with a rehab that was as major as what Josh Brooke has had to go through. Um, it's probably not realistic to expect him to just be able to come back full force. Um, and, uh, I guess just playing a little careful with him. So it'll be, well, well said he's coming back from a big injury. That big injury turned out to be surgery that kept him out till February. Right. Um, we'll went on to say, so we'll, we'll keep taking our time with him. That's right. And of course, remember about a month ago when he did first make his debut, uh, for the season, he only played a couple of games before swelling in that knee, uh, started to be an issue. And so that set him back again, back on injury, rehabbing and letting that kind of calm down again for a few weeks. So they're being careful to, to, to not do any more damage uh, with Josh Brooks. So we'll, uh, we'll be keeping an eye on, on how often or frequently an effect uh, he can get into the lineup and how effective he'll be. Um, there will be some new faces. In fact, today at practice, uh, Luke Condotta, had his first practice with the Laval Rocket, an NCAA player who, uh, of course, last week signed a one-year ELC with the Montreal Canadiens, uh, then subsequently signed a PTO so that he could port- report to the Laval Rocket. So he showed up for his first practice today, Rick. And uh, it's interesting to see another guy from the NCAA show up uh, in the Canadiens organization now. Lucas from uh, UMass Lowell, who was the captain uh, this past season, 23 points in 33 games. And um, maybe that indicates that um, Adam Nicholas, uh, the brand new development uh, coach um, for the Montreal Canadiens, uh, he spent uh, some time, uh, five years at uh, UMass Lowell. They didn't really uh, cross paths, but uh, I'm sure that he still has contacts there and and, uh, had a chat with... um, uh, Jeff Gorton and uh, Ken Hughes, and and uh, they brought in Lucas to see how he can help the organization. Um, and it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does. Now he should be joined by another new face later this week, uh, Emil Heineman, who of course was a prospect uh, who was acquired by Montreal in the back in the Tyler Toffoli trade, which seems like an eon ago at this point. Um, he has wrapped up his season over in Europe, and uh, he signed uh, a three-year ELC with the Canadians this week and is expected any day now to do like Condotta did, and that is to sign a PTO with a Laval Rocket and be able to finish out the season in Laval. And uh, Rick, I think all eyes will will be a bit on Emil Heinemann to see uh, what kind of prospect this could shape up to be for Montreal. 
second round pick in 2020. Um, he has good size and like um, is becoming a theme. Uh, he's a tremendous skater, uh, great push, uh, very strong on his skates, uh, good acceleration. And he's the kind of guy that's uh, playing in, in uh, Sweden. He's a good two-way uh, player and, and uh, can be effective uh, all over the ice and, and uh, throughout your lineup. So not only will J.F. Uhl uh, get some reinforcements with uh, guys coming back off of injury, uh, he's going to get some new faces added to the lineup as well. We've seen how well Nate Schnarr has uh, acclimated to his new team and what a what an asset he's been already. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Heinemann and Kandata fit in as well. Um Speaking of Habs prospects, however, the AHL isn't the only place to be watching guys who are the up-and-coming next generation for the Montreal Canadiens. There is still NCAA action going on. Uh, The Frozen Four, uh, the final games in the push to the championship take place this coming weekend. Uh, The four remaining teams uh, will play a set of two games on Thursday before determined, and the winners of those, of course, will then face off on Saturday to vie for the Frozen Four championship title. Um, but, Rick, there are two Habs prospects within those four teams uh, who are going to be participating in the hopes that they can win the championship. Brett Stapley from the University of Denver. Um, he's 23 years old. He was, a ca- he was um, this is fourth year at the University of Denver, had a tremendous season, uh, 41 points in 39 games, which has got to feel pretty satisfying for Trevor Timmons and the, the staff that drafted him in 2018 in the seventh round, late round pick. Uh, the the other prospect that's also in uh, the Frozen Four Canadians prospect is Rhett Pitlick. Yes, another Pitlick. Uh, another late round pick, this one in the fifth round of 2019. Uh, another uh, player on the, the smaller side, and uh, he plays for the University of Minnesota. So it's uh, it's always exciting hockey. I mean, even even the games, uh, the regional games leading up to uh, these championship games were exciting. But but these final games that will be played in the Frozen Four are always just tremendously exciting hockey to watch. Uh, I strongly encourage you to tune in if you can, at least for the championship game, if nothing else. Um, I know we'll be watching and uh, good luck to all of those student athletes. Uh, another Habs prospect who, um, who saw his path to the Frozen Four championship get cut a little bit short was Ty Smolanik. Of course, uh, that's another uh, prospect acquired at the trade deadline by Montreal. Um, he was eliminated along with his teammates at Quinnipiac in the regional play. Uh, but Rick, his name popped up in NCAA men's hockey news again this week. He's uh, just finished his second season at Quinnipiac, and uh, he's entered the transfer portal, which means he is looking for a a new NCAA uh, school to attend and continue his college career. Best of luck to him. That'll be really interesting to see where he where he lands. Um, It's just you have to remember that college college kids sometimes don't stay at the same school for four years. So it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see where where he ends up. Um, just a reminder again, visit uh, AHLReport.com for all of our latest uh, news and updates. Follow at the AHL Report on Twitter if you want to follow along with our live game uh, updates about the Laval Rocket. 
And uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to hear from our sponsors over at DraftKings who have a brand new incentive for our listeners this week. So you'll want to check that out. And when we come back on the other side of this break, uh, we're going to welcome Patrick Williams into the studio for another edition of the AHL Hot Stove. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, Stay tuned. You're listening to The Press Zone right here at Rocket Sports Radio. Two titles are up for grabs on the stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. New customers can bet $5 on any fighter and get $100 in free bets, win or lose, guaranteed. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA contests. Draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, throw down $5 on UFC 273, and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code THPN this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 and over. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media, a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network, episode 250. It's so exciting. 250 episodes. Wow. Uh, It's just gone by so fast, and we're glad that you're here with us. Uh, Of course, uh, I am your host once again, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. I mentioned in the last segment to be sure you're following on uh, Twitter at the AHL Report, but also be sure you're following this podcast. Uh, We have an account on Twitter separately as well, at the Press Zone. Um, Another thing we'd ask you to do is just take a look at no matter what podcast platform is your favorite and the one you're currently listening to this podcast on, please just make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast. We don't ever want you to miss an episode every Tuesday when we publish. Uh, and last but not least, if you could just take a moment to share this podcast, it's really the best way uh, that you can help us here at Rocket Sports and the Press Zone. Just hit the share button, share it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever your preferred social media platform is. And we would certainly appreciate your help in spreading the word about the press zone. It's April. It's the first week of April. And sure enough, it is also time for the very first edition of the AHL Hot Stove this month. So exciting. We have, wow, do we have a lot to talk about today. We have some some serious stuff to talk about, some business stuff, some fun stuff. I can't wait to get to it. And first of all, Rick, we should join uh, together and welcome in Patrick Williams back to the show Joining us, of course, each and every episode uh, bi-weekly for the AHL Hot Stove. Patrick, thanks so much for coming back and uh, being here today. Thank you. Appreciate it. All right. So let's get the let, let's start with some some business. Uh, we know that the NHL trade deadline was was a few weeks ago. We also uh, are reminded that the AHL trade deadline, and we talked about this uh, a couple of weeks ago, that the AHL trade deadline, of course, then would come out uh, would come a week later. Um, 
And we talked about this in the in the last hot stove that the AHL trade deadline isn't necessarily as as much of a big glamorous uh, showstopper as the the NHL deadline is, but it's more for teams to kind of bulk up their rosters as they're at the AHL level as they're heading into the playoffs and whatnot. But Patrick, you've uh, mentioned that um, this year's AHL trade trade deadline was even a little quieter than usual. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was very quiet. I mean, outside of the Chicago Wolves kind of uh, making a little bit of a splash and uh, the Rochester Americans obviously addressed a a major need with uh, their defense bringing in Mark off. But uh, other than that, it was, uh, for the most part, uh, pretty, pretty status quo. And so... Do we know if there was any specific reason behind that, or or was it just one of those things that this year there just wasn't a lot of movement happening? Yeah, well, I had that question, so I went uh, to Wendell Young, the GM of, of the Chicago Wolves, the the one person who was able to kind of uh, make a real <clears throat> big splash uh, at the uh, AHL deadline, and uh, his response was uh, that everybody, for the most part, still feels they're in the playoff race now with the expanded playoff field up to 23 of 31 clubs um that's other than with a few exceptions maybe a tucson san jose lehigh valley etc um pretty much everybody still feels they have at least a chance to qualify for the playing round at the very least and so they didn't want to really make a uh, any sort of disruption to their rosters uh so um as a result you, you didn't see too much um and to the extent that you did, it was uh, it was moved like the Chicago Wolves, um, bringing in, let's say, like a Richard Ponick, uh, you know, on loan from the New York Islanders. But uh, on the on the uh, on the other side of that, though, I was kind of surprised to see them actually make an NHL trade that had direct AHL implications, uh, bringing in Tarmo uh, Reunion from the Rangers, where he had been with Hartford for. Uh, Maxime Latudov. Uh, so that was an actual honest-to-goodness NHL-involved trade that was made specifically for the AHL clubs. So, yeah, it was it was a weird um, deadline, and, and, and certainly it's not what it used to be maybe 10 years ago where uh, <clears throat> you really got some, some shake-ups uh, uh, now for the most part. Uh, as, as Wendell Young put it, you know, for most teams, the NHL deadline is also their AHL deadline. Mm. And so the, the subsequent AHL deadline, you know, is um, for, for their purposes, not really a major factor. So, yeah, it's interesting. And, you know, when I look at some clubs, I think they definitely could have benefited from making a move. The Hershey Bears, for example, um, I think definitely needed to make a move. Um I don't think Bridgeport needed to necessarily lose talent like they have. They lost Ponick, they lost uh, Thomas Hickey, but they were also in a, a crunch with veteran numbers. So that was uh, kind of what into, went into that. But yeah, there are some clubs that are certainly on the uh, on the border of making or not making the playoffs. That uh, you look at them and um, you wonder why didn't they make a move? And that's sort of the reason is because they thought the status quo was better, but. And I think the other side of that is if you're a veteran player, um, let's say a Cal O'Reilly in Lehigh Valley, mm-hmm. uh, you're 35 years old. You're on a team that's probably not making the playoffs with all, you know, all likelihood. And 
you know, you only have X number of uh, cracks left at winning a championship, plus also just positioning yourself uh, for a contract next year. So I was a little surprised that you didn't see players like that um, make a move. And Mark all fit that category. Now, he was in San Jose, a team that's been out of the race, you know, for most of the season. And he wanted to, you know, for his, you know, for his own career and also just for the, you know, the excitement of being in a playoff race, he wanted to move to a team where he could, he could do that. So he went to Rochester, which is, you know, a, a real bubble team. And, you know, they may, may not make it. And he'll be a big part of that because, you know, that's a team that's, you know, been at, you know, near the bottom of the league defensively. So you bring in a real uh, kind of, responsible, you know, stay at home defenseman like him and you can actually really make a difference. So, um, but yeah, it is a little strange, you know, like I would think if, like I said, if you're a player, you'd want to get off, you know, and go to a playoff team or at least a team that has a shot rather than kind of playing out the strain for the last month or so. But, you know, I guess sometimes you also do get into situations where players have families and, um, you know, things of that nature. So yeah, we had a pretty good chat with Wendell and, uh, um, yeah, it was interesting just to kind of uh, get his perspective on, you know, he worked the phones really hard. And that was the thing he really tried to stress to me that, uh, you know, he tried, you know, to, to make a lot of things happen. And he wasn't sure right down almost to the to the end of the, the deadline that something might actually happen. So in relation to the deadline, Rick, you also had a had a had something that you were kind of chewing on and pondering uh, this past week, uh, particularly because it popped up um a little bit of talk about it popped up around the, the GM meetings. And that is that rule that we've reminded people about that NHL clubs now for the rest of the re- regular season only have four standard recalls from their AHL affiliate available to them. That's not including emergency recalls, but, but four standard recalls. What was, uh, what were, what were your thoughts on that? Well, there, there are um, things that happen between the trade deadline and the end of the regular season, and there are rules, and that's one of them, the, the limit of four recalls. Um, and since we have Patrick here, I just wanted to ask him about the, why is that rule in place? What's the genesis of the rule, uh, and what impact can it have on both AHL and, and NHL teams? Um, as, as you said, it was brought up briefly at the NHL uh, GM uh, meetings in Florida. So um, we just, I, I just uh, thought we'd give Patrick an opportunity to talk about that and, and let our listeners know a little bit more about it. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of reasons and, you know, it's even more complicated by the fact, obviously that you have two different leagues involved uh, to some extent and um, different ramifications for each league um and then obviously the nhl what the nhl wants comes first and foremost uh in that discussion so it gets complicated in that sense but essentially the four recalls um are in place there to prevent any sort of i guess roster shenanigans where you might want to pull four or five six players up um to the nhl roster and then send them back and forth uh, to the AHL team, maybe the AHL team's right on the line, you know, making the playoffs or not. So all of a sudden, if you you drop six players into the lineup with the AHL team, it would um, obviously potentially really swing things that way. So um, you know, there's there was at one point there was a lot more of that, um, you know, that roster 
I don't say manipulation, but definitely you know, there was some gamesmanship, and uh, that's what this role is more or less there to prevent uh, that kind of um, back and forth, uh, you know, for players. And that doesn't even get into obviously you know salary cap and uh, everything that goes with that. So, um, you know, I think there you know there's always a loophole in any sort of uh, CBA or or that sort of agreement, and you know teams have cap managers and you know really smart people that are in place there to kind of uh, find a loophole or find some sort of, uh, you know, uh, little exemption that they, um, that might be there. So over the years, I think as, as, as things have evolved, um, the league obviously has become more savvy about, you know, different uh, loopholes that might exist and tried to, you know, if not completely close them, at least tighten them up uh, a lot more than they once were. Well, uh, there are, as you say, there are, with these rules, there are subclauses and loopholes, and, and uh, we kind of saw one, that play out a little bit today. Um, as we record, uh, the Montreal Canadiens signed uh, one of their prospects, Emil Heinemann, who came over in, um, in the trade for Tyler Toffoli and uh, signed him to his ELC, a three-year ELC. Um, and they also said that he would be uh, signing to a PTO over the next coming days uh, to join the Laval Rocket and that he would be available for the re- remainder of the season, including the playoffs. Now, we thought we understood this, uh, that uh, on trade dead- on the NHL trade deadline day, there was a number of paper transactions that happened to make players available for, uh, the, uh, uh, for the playoffs. Uh, we we talked about players coming from from Europe and uh, deadlines there. But February first, Emil Heinemann's coming from Sweden, Lexans, uh, where he's played his his season. But we talked before we went live here today. Before we started recording, we talked about another loophole that makes <laughs> uh, Heinemann available for uh, the playoffs uh, for the Laval Rocket. And can you tell us about that? Yeah. Well. Yeah. Exactly. Um, it's one of those cases where just when you think you know the rules and you have a pretty good grasp of them, then yeah, there's a, a little twist there. And the twist with Heinemann is that uh, he's on the um, Habs reserve list, um, which is essentially it's a place where you, it's exactly what it sounds like. And you, that's where you put your draft picks and um, you know, players that you know, fit into some category like that. And they may be off in Europe. In some cases, they're actually retired. And I brought this up before before the show. You know, you have the Winnipeg Jets, Ilya Nikulin, a defenseman that they drafted in the second round of 2000 um, and had retired in 2019. He's still technically on that list. And I, I, I at this point, I assume he'll be on there in, in perpetuity. But uh, it's, uh, it's essentially where players uh, go uh, who are playing in Europe or, or something like that. Um, and then, you know, when you do need them, you can bring them in that way. But uh, the difference is with, with the European rule is, let's say you had a veteran there, you know, a 30-something-year-old veteran who wasn't really under contract to anybody, you know, in the NHL. His season ends, and that generally is how things work over in Europe. The season ends earlier. Um, if he was able to just come over and sign anywhere in in the AHL, then you might have a case where, you know, you bring in, like I said, you know, Kenny Agostino, who free, free agent, he signs with, with a team that can fit him in, you know, on their, on their 
on their budget. And then, you know, obviously a major, you know, you know, a game changer type player. So um, it used to happen. Um, I think, I think it ended around the early two thousands um, where that could happen, where you could get these late, you know, season additions. Now they really, they really have done away with that. So, um, you know, you really, a lot like the veteran rule, the emphasis is on player development. The emphasis is on, um, getting the younger players a lot of ice time and they don't want, you know, what it would essentially be a Rainer coming in, you know, in March or April and, and really kind of, uh, shifting the power balance, uh, between teams. So for fans, uh, there's, there's, when you're thinking about, um, a roster, um, or an organizational roster, uh, there's a number of, of numbers that you have to keep in mind. Typically the roster size is 23, although now NHL rosters have grown uh, since the trade deadline. There's a contract limit. Every team can sign up to 50, have up to 50 contracts. And there's a reserve list. And that maximum is 90 players on the reserve list. And that's, as you said, that's the reason why Heinemann is available for the playoffs. I'm so glad that you guys can keep track of all of this because it <laughs> it makes my head swim uh, for sure. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that you guys are able to kind of spell all of that out in layman's terms a, li- a little bit better. Um, just want to switch gears now just for a moment. Uh, some exciting news uh, around the AHL this week and and, and perhaps uh, not something that maybe a lot of uh, East Coast AHL fans were aware of, but the Henderson Silver Knights, of course, the new AHL affiliate uh, of the Vegas Golden Knights, um, of course, they have been enjoying uh, uh, their season in the rink that they've been playing in. But this week, they got to play in a new rink. They actually got to christen uh, their brand new arena that, yes, uh, mid it's not even mid-season, late season, was ready uh, for them to play. They played their inaugural game there uh, this past week, and... Uh, Patrick, I imagine it was pretty excited, exciting for the Henderson Silver Knights to finally play in their very own barn. Yeah, um, beautiful facility, uh, 5,500, so kind of that right size um, for, for an AHL team. Um, and, and the gist of it was they, they really wanted to have their own building. They were already in the Orleans Arena, which you know I think by any standard around the league would be a, a more than adequate facility. But um, it wasn't there, so they wanted to have their own building in in Henderson, which is kind of a satellite city around um, around Las Vegas, about twenty minutes from the Strip. So, um, but you know, you know how like Las Vegas is. A lot of the people that live there don't go downtown. So, um, the, the idea here is to quote unquote, you know, give Henderson, you know, its own building and something for for the local residents to have and to call their own. So. Uh, Henderson Knights <laughs> fit that bill, obviously, and um, beautiful facility. I mean, right up to state of the art. They they had a lot of involvement from the Vegas Golden Knights management staff. I'm going in there and making sure that uh, the hockey side of the building uh, was exactly how they wanted it. You know, in terms of uh, player facilities and, and the ice, and you know, all those things that go into you know making a, a high-end hockey experience for their players. Um, so I think the amazing thing about the, the Henderson Silver Knights is 26 months, months ago or so, they didn't exist. Um, they were, you know, still a, the San Antonio Rampage. And in that time, the Vegas Golden Knights had bought the, ra- the Rampage, moved them to Henderson, uh, put them on the ice, 
uh, and now they have a building uh, that this this building went up in about 16 months, which is just remarkable. Even wow. for that that part of the country where the you know obviously the climate's a lot more favorable for construction, even so, um, that was it was even in the construction world that was viewed as quite an achievement. So um, it, it's a beautiful facility. I mean, and uh, if you notice about the Henderson schedule, they they definitely back ended or backloaded some of the game, the home games on the late mm. season schedule. So they have 10 home games in, in April oh, at, wow. at the new facility. So they really wanted to get in there and um, get situated and before the playoffs. And so it is a little bit strange or unusual that uh, they would move late season, but uh, they were just really eager to get there. And uh, so, yeah, now in the span of two years, you, you have not only a, um, nearby affiliation that's you know every team generally wants to have and you also have them playing out of a beautiful facility so uh you know it just goes to show though that i mean a lot of things are changing in this league uh, next year you have coachella valley coming in they're gonna have a 300 million dollar building eleven thousand seats uh for the new seattle affiliation and then the san jose barracuda um, kind of doing it a little bit of a different way. They're playing a 4,200 building um, that's attached to the uh, training facility that they share with the Sharks. Uh, but it will be their own building. Uh, they've been playing in the SAP Center, which is, you know, what, 18,000 or so. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't it doesn't work, right? Like, you know, even a decent crowd in there, um, it looks empty. So now they'll be in their own kind of intimate uh, building where it will be their space and uh, – so they're actually holding one of the rookie tournaments out there uh, next September. So it, it, times are changing, and it really does uh, go to show that um, you know it's forcing everybody uh, around the league, I think, to really you know take a look at their facilities and um, really raise up the standards. Because uh, now that you have a league where you have kind of you're you're fixed at 32 clubs now, and you can go coast to coast, which is not the way it used to be. Now there's far more options um, than there used to be, you know, for, for an NHL team deciding where to put their affiliate. So if you're a city and you're looking to keep your AHL team or you're looking to get an AHL team, you really have to make sure that your 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 what you can offer is uh, really up to par because um, that standard just keeps going higher and higher. I I had to chuckle of course in true vegas uh showmanship fashion i notice uh that you have some details in in your article about this that uh the arena is a quote modern medieval theme yes (laughs) and that the uh the suites are not called suites they are the chambers Mm -hmm. and that the elevators are not elevators they are hoists (laughs) they really go full they really go like all the way with the themes, don't they? Yeah, there's there's nothing subtle about the Vegas Golden Knights <laughs> or what they do. I guess you, you know, and they even have uh, the the mini castle at one end of the rink, nice, like they do at Vegas uh, with T-Mobile Arena. So uh, they've tried to kind of uh, incorporate those little touches and, and make it almost feel like a scaled down version of the NHL team's uh, building, so players will feel very familiar, I guess. Uh, but yeah, they went very creative uh, <laughs> with some of those names. Um, they actually had like a whole staff assigned to that uh, that end of things. Uh, so yeah, they don't they don't spare any uh, costs or any sort of efforts uh, with that uh, that whole operation. I mean, uh, the Foley family that that owns the Vegas Golden Knights also owns Henderson, and 
um, everything, you know, every impression I get, you know, anytime you're anything to do with Henderson or, or obviously with Vegas, it's just that money is, is not much of a limitation with that, that franchise. They just, you know, they seem to have <laughs> endless amounts of money to be able to do things exactly the, the way they want to do them. And the Henderson team, Henderson Silver Knights features one Mason Primo, uh, mm-hmm. son, son of Wayne and cousin of Caden Primo. Always looking That's, away, uh, looking to find those connections. Oh, right. You know, <laughs> start, yeah, you start <laughs> going through these different names and, yeah, you know, I mean, it is, it is funny how, how, you know, there's so much crossover and, you know, like, you know, we, we all remember the Primo, the original Primo brothers and now yeah. you got, now you got their son and you, I mean, it's, it's a little, it's a little shocking to see, you know, like, you know, this, this evolution to the next, next generation of players. I mean, you know, Cody Clark in Hershey is Wendell Clark's son. I mean, so you're seeing these, all these different names pop up. Uh, Brody Sutter and Hershey's also uh, Rich Sutter's son, part of the Sutter brother family. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a big, uh, cozy family, I guess. <laughs> well, uh, last but not least, uh, we, we couldn't let you go today without touching on the hottest topic in the AHL right now. <laughs> if you didn't know, it is mascot madness time. And uh, the finals are here. Actually, the finals, I believe, are going to start today. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... It, Two days at a time. They were all the AHL is storied for its mascots. Uh, most of most of the teams have mascots. They're pretty well known. Rick, I this harkens back to when we used to have uh, top five segments on on the press zone. We used to talk about um, top five mascots or mascots that aren't around anymore, that kind of thing. But mascots are very popular. It's in the AHL. Uh, and since there's so many of them, uh, fans have gone through, uh, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six rounds of voting to determine uh, who their top six mascots are. It's coming down to Melvin in Lehigh Valley, uh, Ringo from the Texas Stars, Roscoe from the Milwaukee Admirals, Crash, is he from the Iowa Wild? Um, Iowa yes. Wild, yep. Iowa Wild, yep. Gulliver from the San Diego Gulls and Boomer from the Springfield Thunderbirds. Um, if you want to now, you now have two days through April 6th to vote on who should win the whole kit and caboodle for this year uh, out of those six. I know who I'm voting for. Patrick and, and Rick, like, it's just fun. You know, part of what I love about the AHL is how kid friendly the AHL is, whether it's, you know, just making it more affordable than going to an NHL game, but they really do with the mascots, with the family entertainment stuff, they really cater to kids. And it's, it's really fun to watch when you go to all of these rinks, how involved the mascots and the fans are with each other. Yes. uh, um, So I'm, Team Roscoe, I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Fine. I'm Team Melvin. I'm putting it out there. Where are you at, Rick? Um, I need to break the... T- I, I like Melvin. I like Roscoe, too. Um, You're going to go Boomer, aren't you? Mm, I like Boomer, too. Boomer's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> and I think fans are expecting me to say Cosmo, but I... Gee, I... 
I'm sorry. Cosmo, Cosmo just didn't make the final. No, he sorry. Didn't. No, he didn't. No. No. Um, I know. Yeah, I, I'm going to, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go Roscoe. Oh. <laughs> wow. Roscoe's got a lot of spunk, you know? Like You two just like Roscoe because he has his own pirate ship. <laughs> The only reason you like it. Man. Well, yeah. It doesn't hurt. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't <awesome>. hurt. <laughs> I want to ride. <laughs> Intangibles matter. <laughs> but I mean, the mascots just, they, the AHL's mascots are very entertaining. Um, we've lost, and, and that's not, and that's just this current grouping of mascots. You know, we think that there's a lot of mascots who from the AHL who aren't around anymore, whether it's because teams are defunct or they've moved or they've changed affiliations or whatever. Like poor Audie, we've talked about this on this show. The Utica loved Comet, Audie, yeah. we loved Audie when he when Utica was a Vancouver affiliate, and the atrocity that they've brought. I'm sorry, Utica. I'm sorry, New Jersey, but the atrocity of naughty that they brought in. The evil Audie. Yeah, I don't like him. <laughs> I don't like him one bit. And Patrick, what is with the? Okay, maybe you know, but did Syracuse have an ice gorilla? At what, like we talked about how we don't like Syracuse has Crunch Man. Now he's like a which is different than all the other animal type um, mascots. He he's a guy, but yeah, I, I complained about Crunch Man, and then you look back and and it was Al the Ice Gorilla who is terrifying. What he is the, that? He's absolutely terrifying. The green eyes and the sharp teeth. He was their former their former logo was the Ice Gorilla Al. Uh, <laughs> Al, the Al, just Al. <laughs> um, until Crunchman came on, um, right around I think where the Tampa Bay affiliation started. Um, so, but Al's got a long history with the the good people of Syracuse, and uh, there was a lot of clamor for him to return. An ice gorilla. Yeah, I those mean, two things don't seem to go together. I mean, I think with mascots, your imagination is. The only limitation. <laughs> well, uh, you, you look at at Melvin. His predecessor was a, a beaver. Dax the beaver. Dax was. I'm sorry. Who, who Dax, was kind of goofy. Dax looking. was terrible. Mel, Melvin trumps Dax any day of the week. I mean, I I, I miss Double Dog from from oh. Albany. Uh, he actually was in uh, Binghamton for a while. Um, yeah. Well, uh, even- T Bone from the Rampage. Yeah, he was good. He was good. was good. Um, I liked, um, I don't know what his name was. I can't remember what his name was, but the Hamilton Bulldogs bulldog reminded oh, yeah. me of yeah. the bulldog uh, from Looney Tunes. Like he looked like the Looney Tunes bulldog to me, <laughs> which kind of made him lovable. Oh gosh. What is his name? Bruiser. Bruiser. Bruiser that's yeah. right. I liked yeah. him. He was well, Bruiser's funny. now uh, a member of the OHL. He is. Uh, so he lives on and I'll be in a different form. He lives on. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so, some have not, have not continued on. I enjoyed how the Portland pirates had a pirate and a parrot. <laughs> yes, you're right. I want to, I'm, I'm want to know how that dynamic worked. Um, that's a good question. <laughs> Uh, of the current Louis, ones, Louis, uh, Louis the Lock Monster and Lowell. Oh yeah, uh, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, way back. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, 
Sorry, Rick, you were going to start um, of the current ones. You said. Well, I like Hammy and Rockford. Um, I like Kingston. Um, I like of, Chubby. For the interior in range. Yeah, Chubby's good too. We, we like Tux because we got to know Tux a little bit in Wilkesburg, Scranton. Uh, Frenzy is pretty good. The the head is good in in um, this uh, for the Barracudas. I'm sorry, Belleville Belly is nightmare fuel. I'm sorry, <laughs> Belleville Senators fans. No, I think we need to embrace them all. I think. Well, <laughs> what about what about? So I'll ask the two uh, former Winnipeg residents. What about Mickey Moose? Love Mickey Moose. He's yeah. happy. He's happy. He's a good guy. Yeah. Hey, let me ask you uh, one one last question related to this. What is Stockton going to do with? Is it? Did I see something that there's going to be a controversy with with Frankie and Stockton? Because isn't Frankie a Firebird? And with Coachella Valley coming in as the Coachella oh. Valley Firebirds, do we have a mascot controversy now? That's a good question. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, may have to get to the bottom of that, but. Um, didn't know we did investigative journalism here at the press. Suppose <laughs> anything's possible. I mean, um, he is firebirdy, I guess. Um, I mean, I would say that uh, that Calgary affiliation has had a lot of issues with their mascots. If you go back to Scorch in Adirondack, uh, who lasted like, five days. Um, Oh, you don't know the whole Scorch uh, controversy. Oh, no. Yeah, so I don't have all the details, but um, basically he resembled somebody who was on fire. (laughs) (laughs) Which, yeah. That's not a good idea. Yeah, it didn't really sit well with people. Um, Actually, so Glens Falls had the fire of 1864. Um, oh no! And that was tied into their history, and they had a very unfortunate uh, unveiling as well. Um, I think if you want a little more, you should probably look it up uh, yourselves. But um, yeah, it oh, was a no. little bit of a controversy that ended up making uh, kind of national news for a while, um, and so Scorch was very short-lived um, in they the uh, archives a, of NHL history. Dumped a bucket of cold water on him very quickly. Mm-hmm. Yep, you could say that. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we're going to have to have a regular... There's probably a book waiting to be written about. I was just going to say, we're going to have to have a regular mascot segment on the AHL hot stove. <laughs> um, examining the the lore of all of the AHL mascots in history. I mean, it'd be... Apparently there's a story about Pucky the Whale, too, but I don't... We'll have to investigate that. Was that in Pucky or when the Connecticut Whale came back? Um, yeah, I, I thought he was uh, attached to the wolf pack, but I'm not sure. Well, that was a whole nother, um, oh gosh, soap opera. Um, when they went from the wolf pack to the whale mid season and, you know, you know, the Hartford, that dynamic with the whalers and yeah. the wolf pack and that sort of tension, uh, throughout the years. And, and then they ended up shifting back to the wolf pack. Um, but yeah, um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, very complex politics involved with AHL mascots. Say, <laughs> it's just mascots, people. We're going to dig up all the, about the mascots. You know, I mean, I know. 
you know, they become an extension of their, themselves almost. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, this has been a very informative and very entertaining segment of the AHL Hot Stove. Patrick, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you. <laughs> and um, we'll, we're going to we're going to put you on the task about uh, doing some digging on if Frankie's going to be in trouble next year. I'll work my sources. <laughs> okay, you do that. And we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Well, I think that was a um, not only a very informative, but very fun edition of um, the AHL Hot Stuff. And I'm just going to say, I'm just going to go, since I'm the only right one here, apparently, I'm going to go cast my vote for Melvin, since you two with your Roscoe business gonna go it it was a tough choice yeah melvin i got your back you guys can go on a cruise with (laughs) with roscoe in his ship (laughs) the the ship the ship beat the ship i know i know anyway uh very fun we thank patrick williams for joining us again uh we should mention he he talked about um at the very beginning of the segment was talking about uh Hershey being the one one of the ones that he was surprised uh, didn't do anything at the AHL trade deadline, uh, particularly since they've been uh, struggling as of late and uh, still trying to maintain a playoff position Um, in a piece of good news for Hershey. I uh, should note that today uh, in an afternoon, in a daytime game against Bridgeport, uh, they managed to pull out an overtime win, and that overtime win made them the first AHL franchise to hit the 3,000 win mark in franchise history, which is just, I mean, that's just mind-boggling. 3,000 wins is a lot for a single franchise, and uh, wow, what a, what an accomplishment for Hershey. And the release says that the Bears join the Montreal Canadiens, Boston Bruins, Toronto Maple Leafs, and Detroit Red Wings as the only pro hockey teams with 3,000 wins. Wow. That's a, that's a, that's an exclusive club to be a part of. Um, and it really tells the story. We hear about, you know, the, the NHL franchises that are such storied franchises, but there are those in the AHL that also have uh, a, a steep history. Um, and uh, congratulations to Hershey for hitting that milestone. That's, that's quite an accomplishment. Um, we will uh, have, of course, have plenty of coverage of the Laval Rocket for you as they continue this push towards the playoffs. Uh, they do have a three-game homestand this week. It's going to be tough down the stretch here. Every single game that they have left to play in April, and there are a lot of them, uh, but every single one of them is going to be against a division rival. So every point absolutely matters. Uh, this this Wednesday and Friday, they'll welcome the Rochester Americans uh, to Place Bell for two games. We just heard Patrick talk about how Rochester bulked up on the back end a little bit at the trade deadline, bringing Mark Alt into the fold. So uh, that's a little bit of a change for for Laval to pre-scout and prepare for in facing the Americans twice this week. And then Saturday, uh, they welcome the division leading Utica Comets to town. So, Rick, it's going to be a, a tough week of hockey uh, for, for the Laval Rocket uh, and six points that they desperately need. And it's uh, for the entire month. It's uh, they don't have 
They don't have uh, an easy game. They don't have, they can't let up. They have 13 games remaining in the month of April. They have to, uh, they, they, they ha- each game has to be uh, approached as a must win. Absolutely. So we will, of course, have all of the latest for you about those games throughout the week. Make sure you're following at the AHL report. I'll have full coverage on Wednesday night. Chris G will be at Plus Bell for Friday and Saturday night's game uh, with full coverage from him on those nights. And we, uh, we look forward to having you follow along. Uh, the other thing we look forward to you doing is joining the droves of people uh, in the last four weeks who have signed up as a subscriber on our YouTube channel. If you haven't done that yet, youtube.com slash allhabs. Uh, why are so many people signing up uh, well to, to subscribe and, and follow along with the All Habs YouTube channel? Well, we have a brand new video series. Uh, episode six is coming up uh, later this week called Habs Hockey Report. I host that every Thursday. Uh, we talk about the Habs. We talk about the Laval Rocket. We do exclusive one-on-one interviews. We just had Yesse Ulanin on uh, a couple of weeks ago, and there's a lot of fan interaction, and we're getting a lot of really great feedback on it. So if you don't want to miss out on that, which we would not recommend you missing, uh, be sure you head over to youtube.com slash allhabs, hit the subscribe button, and uh, we hope you enjoy uh, we hope you enjoy all of the shows. Uh, and then, Rick, um, I get to join you again this week on the Canadians Connection podcast. That'll be exciting. Uh, the Canadians Connection every Saturday afternoon. And uh, it just focuses on the Montreal Canadiens. Everything you need to know from uh, a source you can trust. Absolutely. You can find that podcast if you're not already subscribed at CanadiansConnection.fm. Uh, again, Rick hosts that every Saturday. And Either myself or Chris G or Michael Spinella, plenty of us here at Rocket Sports, uh, co-host with him. And uh, it's a lot of fun and a really in-depth look at the Canadians and everything that goes on with them every week. So we recommend that you subscribe there as well. Uh, Rick, I just want to say thank you uh, each and every week. You've been here right along with me for 250 episodes of The Press Zone, formerly known as From the Press Box. Uh, 250 episodes has been a pretty wild ride so far. It's an accomplishment, something to be proud of. And uh, we're very grateful to the folks who have been here with us uh, listening every single week. Absolutely. Um, We encourage you to keep doing that. We hope you'll keep doing that. Uh, We've got 250 more episodes coming along (laughs) that we're going to start chipping it away, uh, chipping away at next week. So thank you so much for your loyal listenership and uh, for being with us. And we'll be back with you again next Tuesday for another terrific episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit ahlreport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.